Welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church. This is the fifth episode in our series on depression, where Reverend Squires takes a look at how the gospel speaks specifically to depression. And on this episode, we pick up our conversation again on how the gospel provides a way forward in the midst of our depression. If you have any comments about our show or a question about something you hear on this episode, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all of our contact info on our website at firstprescolumbia.org. If you would like to stay updated on when a new episode is released, download our app. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. So I think I think the first thing in our gospel grid is we want to say that Christ understands, he's compassionate, that the scripture doesn't say that it's somehow sub-Christian or you have a misunderstanding. And then I think the second thing, and that's where we want to turn and focus now, is that it says there's hope. Amen. That it doesn't so, just leave you to be sad. It, it tells you you can be sad and understandably so, but that there's hmm. hope. So a good way of asking that, to, to put a point on that question, is what from the life of our Lord inspires that hope within us for those who are in the midst of their suffering who also need to move towards the hope of our Savior that he offers. Yeah, well, even in that same verse uh, that Dane Ortland uses, mm-hmm. what is it that Christ promises? It's not, hey, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you energy, mm. which would be fine. That would be a fine way for him to respond. Um, I'll give mm. you productivity, another fine way to respond. That's not how he responded, because Christ knows the heart of men. And people who are depressed, you know what they really want? Hmm. Rest. Yeah. That's what they want. They feel over-encumbered. They feel mm. burdened. It's one of the reasons why when we come up with plans, and, and, and we'll talk about this in a later episode, about how if you love someone who's depressed, how you help them. When we come up with plans for their life, very few of the plans that we come up with actually get enacted, and that's because people who are depressed already feel crushed. They, they mm. don't feel like they have any extra energy or any extra ability to do anything. And so mm. Jesus right there says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Man, mm. that's an amazing, wonderful, and hope-filled thing for somebody who is experiencing depression. Mm. Right? Now, Amen. how often does Jesus tell people who are sad to stop it? Well, actually, there's one time, and that <laughs> one time is in John, uh-huh. when his disciples are sad because he's about to leave, mm. right? And he tells them not to be sad and not to be afraid. Hmm. Why? I mean, you're about to lose the physical presence of the Lord of all things. Hmm. How in the world can you not be sad about that? And his answer is, I'm about to give you something better. And the better that he's about to give you is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And every, every believer has the Holy Spirit in them. And that Holy Spirit, according to Philippians 4, is a spirit that is able to give you rest and peace. And a sort of rest and peace that doesn't even have to make sense. It goes beyond understanding. 
two and two doesn't have to get me four in the sense of why I know I feel so restful in the midst of a very difficult thing. I can actually feel at peace in the middle of absolute chaos. And if someone said, how can you feel this way to be able to say, I don't know. I, I think it's the Holy spirit and his Mm. work in my life. And so my hope isn't in me. Actually, it's not, it's not in my doing all the things and getting all the better and praying the right prayer and all of that. It's, it's in the Lord. Now there are steps certainly there in Philippians four, like being thankful, right. And setting our minds on the things that are lovely and beautiful and righteous and all of that. So it's two 100% as we like to say, a hundred percent, the work of the, the activity of the Holy spirit, a hundred percent, the activity of the believer, but nonetheless focuses on the sort of rest, hope and energy that the Holy spirit does give us the fellowship that we have Mm. with the Holy spirit who never takes that away from us. Even in our darkest depression, even when we feel the most alone our feelings are not what is true. Hmm. So when we feel alone as believers, we are actually never alone. And so leaning into that particular truth that we're not alone, we are known completely, we are loved, and Hmm. we have somebody who can bring to us peace and rest. Mm. And those sort of gospel truths are truths that we try to apply to our lives every single day. And the depressed people uh, try to apply to their lives specifically, like, this is true. No matter what my feelings are telling me, that I'm Mm. alone and there is no hope. I'm actually never alone, and my world is filled with hope because I have the hope of the gospel. That I am a redeemed sinner that shall one day be in the presence of my Lord and Savior, where there will be no disease and there will be no tears, and he shall wipe the last tears away from my eyes personally, as I finally know what it's like to live in perfect blessedness forever. Mm. It sounds like what you're saying is the practical hope of someone who is depressed comes from a theological place of knowing that God has adopted us as his children, knowing that he's sanctifying us by his Spirit, and all of that happens in a real and lasting union with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. That's right. And the means that he's given us is is his word, like things like prayer, the the sacraments, fellowship with God's people. Exactly. So I think that there really is kind of a threefold like gospel response. One, that depression is understandable and the Lord is compassionate. Number two, that there is hope, that you're not alone, you'll never be alone, and that there's a hope that cannot ever be taken away from you in being a redeemed, adopted child of God that will one day live fully with him forever. And mm. then the third thing, which is the kind of intermediary. So so the very first thing that you want to press people to do is installation of hope. Give them hope. Now you want to say, mm-hmm. and in this season, between what you feel now and that hope feeling more and more genuine to you, what you have is a season of suffering that is meant to help you, A, understand your Savior more and strengthen your faith. So mm. your suffering itself is not chaotic. It's not random. It's not mm. unpurposed. It has a purpose, and you redeem that suffering in that you look to the cross. You see your suffering servant there, and the degree that you suffer, you know you get to be like him. So it's appreciating your Savior more. Mm. And secondly, as you get to the other side, as you gripped onto faith as best and as tightly as you could, no matter how weak it felt, that faith will be refined and strengthened for you to come. 
so that your faith and your hope is all the stronger and all the brighter. So your your suffering mm-hmm. has purpose. So, okay, repeat those again. So there's the sense in which your Savior understands you. Yep. You have a real union with him and a helper through that union with the Holy Spirit who ministers to you in the midst of your suffering. And then actually in between now and the time where, Lord willing, you see the end of your depression, you know that in the experience of your depression, though it might seem as if there is a hopelessness and a vanity to it all, this is actually the gift of your good and gracious Savior to love you and to conform you, even in the midst of your suffering. Not even depression can stop you from being conformed into the image of your Savior. That's exactly right, and that's exactly what Romans 5 would testify when it talks Mm. about suffering leads to endurance, and those who are in depression are enduring. They've not yet got to the place where tested character has completely formed, which has not yet been able to produce the hope that cannot be put to shame. They're in the midst of endurance. And then Romans 8, which tells us, for those who love God, all things work together for the good. In the midst of even this, it's working Mm. together for your good, so that suffering mm. itself is redemptive. Mm. So what you're saying is even this suffering is a means of Christ communicating himself to us. That's right, so that we might understand him better, and it's it's a means also of our sanctification. Now that word when used can somehow sometimes be a little harsh, where people you know, sure. He's he's sanctifying me through suffering. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um. And and it mm. it stinks. Nobody wants that. But guess what? Your savior is a suffering servant. So that you should suffer should not surprise you if you ultimately mm. want to know him better and be like him. And again, you look at the arc of our savior's life. Our savior requires nothing of us that he did not himself actually go through. That's right. Oh, man. So, so Josh, I know that we are getting short on time here. So one last question I think that could help would be, as you were walking through this perspective of our, we understand a gospel lens tells us our Savior is, he understands it completely and is even drawn to us in the midst of our suffering. A gospel lens tells us that our Savior has given us a helper through the Holy Spirit to actually minister to us in the midst of our suffering to comfort us, to give us the rest that we need. And then finally, our gospel lens tells us that our Savior is using our suffering in the midst of our sorrowed state to conform us, even this, even this into his image. The question that I have for you is that I was quick to jump to, oh, he's going to say means of grace, like this is what they need to do. I think the practical reality of what this turns into sometimes is you might hear someone tell you, oh, you just need to read your Bible and pray more. Like, you need to reflect on this. How does this not turn into that? Yeah. Well, I think that a couple things. So when you have that grid, which is compassion, hope, endurance, kind of those three. Compassion, hope, endurance. That's the good grid. Thank you. That in the endurance, there are things that we can do to help speed up the process to get to hope. Hmm. Right? That, that, That... you know, humanly speaking, I, I'm a Calvinist, mm. so it's only going to take as long as God has foreordained from the beginning of the world and before. <laughs> so, so in that sense... It's only going to take that long, yeah, <laughs> which it, we and, have no idea how long it's going to take. <laughs> right. It's, it, we, 
God knows how long to the millisecond it's going to take to get out of this depression, and there's nothing we can do. However, humanly speaking, because we don't know that and we can't chart it, we can say that there are things that you can do where you will begin to experience that hope more significantly and therefore exit the depression more expediently. And I Mm. think that those things are things like reading God's word regularly, praying God's word regularly, Mm. singing songs, even songs of lament, it doesn't matter, but singing songs that are based in God's word that give you God-like hope, spending time around God's people and allowing people into your life, serving God's purposes, going out and serving others, even though you feel like you don't have any energy and any ability to do that, going out and serving your church and the kingdom, the larger kingdom, as you focus on others. Those sort of things that if you implement those things in your life with regularity, what you're going to find is you're going to exit the spiritual side of that depression much more quickly. And because the Hmm. spiritual side is the most basic portion of it, you're going to exit the full depression more expediently if you do those things. Hmm. And that's powerful. And it's it's helpful, too, because I think one thing that we so frequently forget is that the comfort that the Spirit gives frequently comes as you consider that means of enduring that you just discussed. It frequently comes through the lens of God's Word, because the Spirit is, in some ways, not separable. I, I guess you could say His work is not going to be separate, in some sense, from the Word. Would you that's agree right. with that? Yes, okay, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and his word is the very nutrition for our souls. And so as we get into his word, we meet the Holy Spirit there, sure. not in a Bardian way where we create authority and meaning, <laughs> you know, for those of yeah. my nerdy people who are listening. But we do experience <laughs> the Holy Spirit's activity in our hearts as we read God's Word, and it lights our affections in new ways that we didn't before. All of a sudden, sure. you read about David and some of the things that he did, and in the Psalms and the ways that he's cast down, and when you're cast down, man, your heart is aflame for David in a way that when you were riding the peaks of faith, it just didn't just seem that meaningful. Uh, and so so yeah. you, you want to constantly be putting yourself in God's Word, and it's the only way we know what God is saying to us. He has spoken to us. He's an invisible spirit that we cannot hear audibly. So how do we know who he is mm. by character, what he wants for us, how much he loves us? It's, it's through his words, through Scripture. And so putting yourself there yeah. day by day, as often as you can, as much mm. as you can, is significant yeah. unto getting to the place where that hope is the hope that cannot fade or falter. And I think that shows you something very valuable in the lens that you're, this gospel lens that you're presenting, because if we engage in Scripture apart from the knowledge that this is our triune God's revelation of himself to us, like this is part of him revealing who he is to us, it, it points to his Son, it's the way that the Spirit works in our lives, then, you know, my tendency when I forget that is to think, oh, like, this is just, this is like the instruction manual. I read it, and then I can, like, fix the problems. Right, <laughs> right. But when we remember that this is this is our God's gracious self-disclosure, his public record of himself, like, he wants, this is the way he actively is communicating with his people. It's so beautiful, because you realize, like you said, when you look at the different passages, when you look at the life of our Lord, 
the reality that our God sees us in the midst of our need and meets us in the midst of our need through this gospel lens. That's right. That's right. That's part of what draws our hearts to the word more. And Hmm. when people are depressed, oftentimes they find that the word feels very flat, that it, mm-hmm. that it it doesn't speak to them and doesn't inflame maybe their emotions like they wanted it to. And so mm-hmm. part of the signs that we're, we're headed towards the outward trajectory is once again when it relights for us, you know, mm-hmm. and we once again begin to feel the Lord's closeness to us. And again, our feelings are not the arbiter of truth. Sure. So we often feel like God is not with us and his face is against us, but but that's not true. He is with us. And he's with us at every moment. And so even beyond when we feel his distance from us, we're placing ourselves under his word and doing it constantly and consistently, the sort of day-to-day reminders of his love and grace, even in the moments where it doesn't feel like it's very applicable or very close to us, will ultimately help to light the fire where it feels very applicable and very strong and very close. Yes. Very helpful. Very helpful. That reinforces our understanding that we're thinking, desiring, and doing people, not just thinkers, but also there is a, there is a priority in some sense that when we, when we renew our minds, when we renew our affections, when we are doing these things that God has given us to know him in, and, and we, we address our, our state from that threefold lens, it, yeah. it helps to bear that fruit of endurance like we're hoping for that's right that's right in, in that yeah. sense even though your feelings tell you you're all alone and your thoughts telling you there's no hope you're doing your your behavior and desiring is to go ahead and put yourself in the word and through mm-hmm. the route of desire and behavior it shall reshape your thoughts and your affections though it may take a time for that to happen yes yes Well, Josh, I think that's a good point to pause and to just recap. We talked about the gospel lens of what from the life of our Lord lets us know he sees those who suffer in the midst of this exceedingly dark time in the life of God's people. And then we discussed a lens of how does the gospel tell us about how we move through this season of depression? Well, where are we going to go next time? So I think next time we'll talk about how to help those who have someone they know or love who are dealing with depression. And this could be a family member, but it could also be somebody who is in a ministry and knows they're going to be around someone who's suffering with depression. How do we think through the lens as a helper to somebody who finds themselves depressed so we can have accurate expectations as well as try to put actions in front of them that are actually accomplishable? Is that a word? Accomplishable? Hmm. Doable? Whatever. <laughs> I are smart. Attain- attainable. Attainable. That's attainable. the word we're looking for. Okay. You, why don't you close us out, Josh? <laughs> I will close us out in a word of prayer. How about that? That sounds great, brother. Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are the God who brings comfort to us, that you know what it's like to be acquainted with grief and suffering. You do not tell us to shut up and go away, but you co- tell us to come near. You want to hear those deepest and darkest fears of our hearts, where our pain comes from. You want to apply the balm of the gospel. And we thank you, Lord, that it is true that you are with us now and forever. You do not look down upon us with a scowl or a frown, but with love and a smile. You look upon us with the same love that you have for your very own son. Because when you look at us, you see us robed in his righteousness. 
And Lord, we ask that you would be with us as we try to endure in this fallen life when it is sad and difficult and dark, and that in that, Lord, we would be those who would be bathing ourselves in your grace through your word. We would be around people. We would be serving them, listening to them, allowing them to serve us. And all of it, Lord, would be unto the ends that more and more our hearts might be knit to your own. Would you do this and get all the glory and honor? We pray this in your son's name. Amen.